Uh, okay, so here's your assignment, all right? Um, uh, I wrote some notes on this. So uh, the, the assignment is, it's hard to argue with an eyewitness account. We're going to go back to John 21 today and talk some more about that eyewitness account. But um, um, what event or person have you witnessed that was rather hard to believe? Okay. I was there, I saw it, I know it happened, or I met this person, that kind of thing. Talk about that around your table. Ellie's going to tell his table about having gone to um, uh, Woodstock, you know, but uh, yeah. How'd you find out? Yeah, I'm, I read the book, yeah. So, all right, take a minute and talk about it. Okay, I'm, I can't wait to hear a couple of these. Joe says he played catch with Satchel Page. Now, I want to say, wait a minute, but it's kind of hard to argue with the eyewitness, right? Uh, somebody else, what was your, what was your uh, thing that you can't argue with because I was an eyewitness? Sherman. It's hard to argue with anything because... You don't remember. <laughs> Just take our word for it, Chairman. Oh, yeah. It was so quick and so. People saw it differently. Absolutely. You might see it a hundred different ways. I'm going to ask, I'm going to answer this for Rhonda. Okay. Rhonda has pictures in her office. We were talking about this this week, and this is, you know, this is kind of the anniversary. This is coming up next week. But um, um, uh, she has the picture pictures with, you know, we've got this term, the goat, greatest of all time. This is who I believe, and, and many people believe, is the greatest athlete of all time. She's got pictures with him. Secretariat. I, I think Secretariat is the greatest athlete of all time. I mean, you know, you look at, look, anyway, we lived, our first ministry stop in, in uh, 1979 was in Paris, Kentucky, which just outside of town was Claiborne Farms. And we had a dear little friend who was part of our church who, who managed all the mares and foals at Claiborne Farm. And so anytime anybody would come, we'd take them to see Secretariat. And uh, and it just just I mean feel like you were in the presence of greatness, um, you know. Mine is uh, I was at North Park Mall in um, in Dallas, and uh, I kind of elbowed around and I said, Steve Lukather was walking through the mall. Now you may not know who Steve Lukather was, but I knew who he was. But he was with Ringo Starr. Now, see, that got your attention, didn't it? Yeah. All right. Gloria, what did you have? Um, I, I actually watched the United States beat Russia in hockey. No. I just watched it on TV. Okay. So you, but that thing, I thought you meant you were there. Okay. All right. Okay. She was the goalie. Yeah. No. Uh, uh, isn't it funny? Yeah. yeah. Uh, my Allie. Got a hold of Dolly because I'm a big Dolly Parton fan. Okay. And she told me if I ever went to Dollywood to let her know, and she would give me one of her wigs. 
Really? Yes. <laughs> That's very went. cool. I never went because we couldn't afford it, but okay. just the thought that Grandma got a hold of her and... That's pretty cool. Said, like, now, you hear that story, and then, of course, you heard Sherman talk a while ago. Uh, between the two of you, you need to argue over who was, who was the greatest, Dolly or Tammy. And Because uh, Tammy Wynette, I, you know, I get... Yeah, uh, so... Uh, it, Laura. I've seen how the city comes together and the state comes together every time... There's a like a national disaster, a bombing, anything. It's like like with coal and Shawnee and fires. I, I think that's what I've witnessed recently. Yeah. How yeah. the state comes together. It, it and it's wonderful, isn't it? Yes, sir. Miss Karen, introduce your guest this morning. Uh, this is my uh, nephew Tim's friend. Her name is. <laughs> I knew it was Jennifer. I was kidding. Well, it's great to have you here. Would you just welcome her? Anybody else brand new? Debbie? My husband Joe uh, got to find out why Adrian Peterson is such a good receiver because he got to shake his hand. Oh, <laughs> crushed his hand. He got a hand the size of a catcher's mitt. Yeah. And it's my Oh, wow. Wow. Isn't it interesting? Now, last week we were in the beginning of John 21, and um, um, we said it's kind of a, become a postscript to the Gospel of John in some ways, so kind of an addendum to that. And there's some reasons for that, including the story that we're going to study today. Now, uh, you remember we had, fish on the uh, we had fish on the beach with Jesus last week. And it's kind of hard to argue with what they saw. Uh, it's kind of hard to argue with, you get to thinking about this. If they had just seen him on the shore, and you remember they had trouble even recognizing it was Jesus post-resurrection on the shore. But then they had breakfast with him. That's a whole different thing. In 1 Corinthians 15, it's going to talk about the series of eyewitnesses that took place and um, uh, included, it says, in that list of, of eyewitnesses, uh, included, it's going to say, that Jesus appeared to 500 people at one time. That's kind of hard to argue with, wouldn't you say? Uh, uh, Sherman, even though they might all have a different uh, aspect of the story, as do the four gospel writers, uh, it's kind of hard to argue with if Jesus walked in this room with uh, 75 or so of us, and, and we said, no, we all saw him. So, um, uh, let's, let's talk about this. So, th this lesson today is going to pick up right where we left off last week. Um, John heard and saw this, but in the middle of the chapter, the story is going to narrow from talking about the disciples in general having breakfast with Jesus on the beach to uh, Simon Peter in particular. Um, as Jesus and Simon Peter speak, and we're going to look at this story in a minute, as we hear their dialogue, John heard it. He was there. He saw it, as did the others. Now, Peter had a unique and ongoing role in Jesus' ministry, uh, even, certainly even after this, uh, in the earliest life of the church. Um, along with Paul, Peter stands out among the apostles in terms of his fame and influence. So if you read the book of Acts, you're going to read uh, a lot of it's about Peter and John. Uh, the, uh, over half of it is about Paul's exploits and his work. 
Um, you, when you get to Acts 15, you'll read about James and uh, him being the leader of the Jerusalem church. Uh, by the way, it's interesting because when we read the Gospels, it, it always front and center, it seems to be uh, Peter, James, and John, you know, kind of the inner three. Well, this is a different James. That James is James, the brother of John, who wrote this, this Gospel. That James, by Acts 12 or so, has been martyred. He's off the scene. And uh, so that James is, is James, the brother of Jesus, who the half-brother of Jesus, who wrote the, the uh, book of James. Uh, anyway, so we see kind of all that. And uh, Peter emerges as a leader. He's bold in word and deed. Read Acts 2, and you hear how he uh, preaches, and 3,000 were added to the church on that first Pentecost Sunday. Um, he's among the first to recognize that when Jesus told his followers to go and make disciples of all nations, he meant to go to Gentiles as well as Jewish people. In fact, uh, I wrote in my notes, um, as you read how the gospel expands in the book of Acts, let me say it this way. If Peter had not signed off on that, it would have been a hard sell. He was that much of a leader. Now, when you get by, by the time you get to Acts 15, uh, uh, James, James the Just, who wrote the book of James, is kind of the leader of the Jerusalem church. But Peter also addresses that group in Acts 15 and says, you know, we're right. This is what we ought to do. Um, uh, God has revealed this to me. And, and you remember, to go back to Acts 10, is when it's revealed to, to Peter that the Gentiles need to come in. So, um, uh, I find that kind of unique. Peter's influence resounds throughout the church. And the, so therefore, the impact of the events of this story today are inestimable. I mean, this, this is incredible, um, incredibly important that we catch what happens today. As I'm going to say it, Jesus kind of restores Peter. He redeems Peter. Uh, Steve Blair, can we pick it up then, uh, if you don't mind, picking it up at John 21, read verse 15, 16, and 17. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, Take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, Do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, Feed my sheep. Okay, I'm, we're going to need a little help with some other scriptures here. So if, if you can help us, somebody go to Luke 11.43. Luke 11.43. Thank you, Allie. That would be great. Uh, I need somebody to go to Matthew 23, verse 6. John, that would be great. Um, uh, I need somebody to go to Ezekiel 34. I'm going to have you read the first six verses in Ezekiel 34. Thank you, Laura. And, um, and then... Um, uh, John, since you're going to be in Matthew 23, uh, can I get you also go to Matthew 26? And I'm going to have you pick it up at verse 69 and read over to like 75. Um, 
Matthew 26, so I'll be 23 to 26. And I think that'll get us kind of along the way there. Okay, so, um, did your mom ever call you by, like, your full name when you were in trouble? Uh, if my mother ever said, Stephen, I knew I was in trouble. You know. So Jesus addressed Simon. Now, he's not necessarily in trouble. He's just, it's kind of a formal greeting here. It's interesting. He calls him. He addresses him. Um, uh, and the words are in red. Okay. Um, I, I, he says here, um, Simon, son of John. Simon Barjona. You know, Simon, son of John. Oh, oh I, I thought we had, I didn't know if that was me or somebody else. Okay. Simon, son of John. Um, and so the idea here is, I think, uh, he addresses him rather formally. And he asks him a question, which is interesting. When Jesus is asking a question, he's typically not looking for information. You know? Uh, he's got kind of all that covered, right? He's not really asking for information. Um, and you might think about it in terms of when your mother said, Harry, where have you been? She might already know, you know, waiting for you to confess, right? Stephen, where have you been? Or what were you doing in there? You know, that kind of thing. And so, kind of see it a little bit in that regard. But re remember that this is all redemptive. He's going to restore Simon in these few verses here. Um, so, Jesus wasn't looking for information. He wasn't looking for um, affirmation of himself. He didn't need to know who he was or, or his role in anybody's life. He knew all that. Um, but he... Uh, one commentator I read said he may have swept with his hand and said, do you love me more than these? Rhonda, we used to sing a song. This, uh, this is funny. I need to say this to Marty. This was back when the Gaithers were writing, were writing songs in King James English because the name of the song was Lovest Thou Me. Remember that? One of our earliest songs that we did together 100 years ago. Uh, Lovest thou me more than these. So is he talking about, he could be addressing uh, boats and fishing tackle. Could be. I, I've often thought that, that he was saying, uh, okay, remember Peter said, I'm going fishing. And what, four or five of them said, we'll go with you. We looked at that last week. Is he, looking at, is he looking at the 153 that they just landed? You remember that? We studied that last week. By the way, study that. There's all kinds of conjecture uh, way back to the church fathers on what the, the number 153 meant. I'm going to tell you what I think it mean, means, and I'm pretty much right, okay? <laughs> 153 big fish in the, in the net, and the net wasn't broken. Guess what? The kingdom of God is big enough for all of us. You know? The net didn't break. Uh, I, I, I just think about how maybe that was the illustration here. Uh, that the church is big enough for all of us. Okay, so um, uh, could it be that he's kind of looks, says, uh, do you love me more than this stuff? 
than, than fishing. That's really insightful. And I think largely that may be the case. Yeah. It gives him three times. We'll look at some uh, a passage here that are going to help us with that. Oh, yeah, I think you may be really right. He, he gives him a chance to redeem himself for the three times he, he denied him. So, but was he looking at fishing tackle and saying, do you love me more than these? Or fish, do you love me more than these? Was he looking at, now this is interesting, this is tricky, so stay with me here. Was, did he look at, what did we say, there were seven disciples there or something? Did he look at them and say, do you love me more than these guys? Um, uh, if that's the case, he had denied that he knew Jesus. They knew he had denied him. He's given him an opportunity in front of, the, of his brothers. To proclaim. And one of the issues that we've got to deal with here is could he lead the group after all that? Could he lead the group? This confession was really necessary if Peter was to be the leader that we know that he became. Now, there's uh, been lots of sermons preached over the years about, about this dialogue. And so I want to get into something that's a little tricky here. Uh, who is it that got Luke 11:43? Okay, um, hang on to it for just a second here, Allie. So uh, have you heard the thing? I've heard preachers preach this. I've heard more than one preacher preach this. That the deal was, and if, as I looked at the language, Jesus says, do you agape me? And Peter answers, I phileo you. Okay. Two different, two different words translated for love. And so, that, so Jesus is saying, I loved you. Um, um, uh, do you love me with the love of the Lord, with, with an agape, Jesus kind of love? And Peter answers, I love you like a brother. Not so much. Isn't it interesting that none of the church fathers picked up on this? It just started happening about in 1950. I, and I don't know why that, that's the case. But I, I want you to look at a couple of places where Jesus uses the word that he uses here. Simon Peter, uh, Simon Barjona, do you love me? Do you agape me? He uses the same word in Luke 11:43. Uh, Allie, read that. Um, I'm not sure if this is the right one, but this is what my Bible says. What sorrow awaits you, Pharisees, for you love to sit at the seats of honor in the synagogues and receive respectful greetings as you walk in the marketplace? You agape the seats of honor. That doesn't sound like godly love. Isn't that interesting? He, used the same, he could have used whatever word he wanted to use, but he used the word, boy, you love you agape, the seats of honor. Uh, another kind of idea here, um, uh, the same word is used by Matthew in Matthew 23, 6. John, is that the one I gave you? They love the place of honor at banquets and the most important seats in the synagogues. He must have used that word, or at least Matthew um, picks up on it, Luke, both. So, that, the, the, kind of the argument goes away a little bit here. Did, did Peter 
mean a different word. Jesus uses phileo in a lot of places in ways, ways that you and I would say, okay, I understand. He's telling me to love him or, or to love the brothers, that kind of thing. So the words were probably more interchangeable than we think they were. And so don't exactly go there. Um, when it's kind of a recent thought that the difference was Peter used a different word. He does use the same word three times. Jesus uses the same word three times. But Jesus uses that word in lots of different contexts that don't exactly kind of help us with that argument. So just kind of hang on to that one. Um, I'm not exactly sure here. This searching question, lovest thou me, Rhonda, is likely regarding Simon's leadership. Okay, man. Are you ready to lead? Do you love me enough to lead? I'm going to make a point about that in a minute, so hang on there. Verse 16. Surprisingly, Jesus asked the question again. Don't you know that Simon wasn't looking for the question to be asked again and certainly was not looking for it to be asked a third time, I don't figure. Um, um, we've already had uh, John read from Matthew 23, but, but um, he says to him, so if you love me, that's implied, shepherd my sheep, feed my lambs, those things, shepherd my sheep. We think that this may be coming out of recognizing that in Jesus' day, um, in Jesus' day, there are a lot of pretty bad shepherds. And he called himself, in John 10, verse 11, he calls himself, I am the good shepherd. Now, I want us to go to, um, to a section here that, that's going to help us understand this. Even way back in Ezekiel's day, he predicted this day, and he called out people in his own day. Ezekiel 34, we're going to read the first six verses. Okay, who's got that? I do. Great. Thank you, Laura. In his message came to me from the Lord, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds, the leaders of Israel. Give them this message from the sovereign Lord. What sorrow awaits you shepherds who feed yourselves instead of your flocks? Shouldn't shepherds feed their sheep? You drink their milk, wear their wool, and butcher the best animals, but... You let your flocks starve. You have not taken care of the weak. You have not tended the sick or bound up the injured. You have not gone looking for those who have wandered away and are lost. Instead, you have ruled them with harshness and cruelty. So my sheep have been scattered without a shepherd, and they are easy prey for any wild animal. They have wandered through all the mountains and all the hills, across the face of the earth, yet no one has gone to search for them. The sheep have wandered off because the shepherd isn't any good. In fact, he's going to argue somewhat, both in the New Testament and Ezekiel will argue it here, that those who are supposed to be protecting people have, have become thieves. Thieves. And he says... I need somebody who will really shepherd my sheep, who will protect my lambs, who, who will guard my lambs. Look this up. I won't, uh, uh, if, if I were more 
uh, techie. I'd, I'd put a picture of it up on, on the screen. I won't, I won't do that. Well, I'll let you look it up because it's. Look up the website. You ready? Preachers in sneakers. <laughs> Preachers in sneakers. It is a. It is a. Um, uh, it, it is a cynical website. I'll warn you about that. But what they're looking at is all these pastors who on the platforms of their churches are wearing $1,500 shoes. And it's like they zoom in on them and then price them. It's really interesting. It, don't you think Jesus would have found that kind of interesting, I think? So he says, it says to Peter, don't rip my people off. Uh, uh, he, he says to Peter, no, he doesn't say this to him, but in my imagination he says this, you don't need a Gulfstream 5 to make it in ministry. Okay? Especially when you've got, boy, I am really stinky today, aren't I? Um, especially when you've got little old ladies sending their Social Security checks to you. Okay, that, that just gets me, gang. All right? Jesus says, there are enough thieves around here. I'm the good shepherd. He contrasts that. And he says to Peter, I want you to be that kind of shepherd. I'm going to need you to lead this flock. Okay, so that's kind of the second. But by the third time he asked it, by verse 17, by the third time he asked it, uh, by the way, surprisingly, Jesus asked the question again. That's what goes in that blank. If, if this third question... Uh, by that time, there is an emotion that's recorded in verse 17 uh, by Peter. What is it? If you're reading the New, New International, it says Peter was hurt. Catch that? What, anybody else have a different word? Grieved. Grieved. That's what it says in the translation I read from. Peter was grieved that he had to ask him a third time. Because Peter, <laughs> no, you're not going to believe I'm going to say this. Peter's not as astute as L.E. Schneider. He didn't understand this. That's what goes in your blank. Simon didn't seem to understand that, uh, that Jesus was giving him an opportunity to redeem himself three times because he failed him three times. John, read it, would you? Go to, I think I took you to Matthew 26, read 69 down through 75. This is that whole scene. Now Peter was sitting out in the courtyard and a servant girl came to him. You also were with Jesus in Galilee, she said, but he denied it before them all. I don't know what you're talking about, he said. Then he went out to the gateway where another girl saw him and said to the people there, this fellow was with Jesus of Nazareth. He denied it again with an oath. I don't know the man. After a little while, those standing there went up to Peter and said, Surely you are one of them, for your accent gives you away. Then he began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know the man. Immediately a rooster crowed. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. It catches us. I mean, he didn't, it wasn't just a, no. By the time the third denial happened, he said, 
they said, surely you were with him. And he said, don't call me Shirley. No, he didn't say that. But uh, he's, I'm sorry, my brain doesn't work quite right. But um, he said, with an oath a couple of times, he, he is practically cursing. No, I don't know him. I told you I didn't know him. So Jesus on the beach after breakfast, three times. I think it's an opportunity for redemption. And I don't think Peter saw it. I think the reason at the beginning of verse, verse 17 when it says Peter was hurt by this, he's not catching that in front of his brothers, Jesus is giving Peter three opportunities to recant uh, his, his, uh, where he recanted that he knew him three times. Michael? The, 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 word, uh, the word take care of my sheep, though, in the three times... The first one is is care, and the next one is feed. But that, that the one that is the same word for feed, which is Bosco, it is panano, and and the last ones, and it's protect. So he's he does give it <coughs> different aspects of the same role, I guess, huh? Feed them, care for them, care for them, feed, feed them, them uh, protect them. That's what a good shepherd should do, right? That's what he had done with them. In fact, he protected them. Uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane said, let these guys go. I'm the one you're looking for. Right? Yes. Well, also three represents complete or whole. And God wants our whole love, not part of our devotion, but he wants all of us. So I get three opportunities here to just kind of affirm that, don't I? Now, I want to ask you about this. So think about it for a minute. First of all, uh, Michael, you give us some good things and good words to, to think about here. But who are the lambs in your life? Who are the, who are the people that you're supposed to be taking care of, feeding, protecting? I, I think I've got to ask that. And, and um, um, that has shifted for me over the years. You're part of that. Um, uh, I've, I've got some others in my world that are part of that. And, and because of the, the change in my role and some things that are happening to us um, three months or so from now, I'm beginning to think, okay, who is it that I'm supposed to be taking care of? Okay. Second question. How often do you tell them you love it? You can't wear that out, by the way. You can't go to him and he'll say, okay, I know. Leave me alone. You're not going to get that. Do you know that she never has said that to me? When I say, uh, I just want you to know I love you, she doesn't say, yeah, you told me that 46 years ago. Would you leave that out? She never says that. It's like, bring it. Bring it. And if I say it and don't demonstrate it, that's another story, right? I, I used to have, I, I, I led a guy's group years ago where I gave them a little, um, it was back when people wore real watches instead of these computers on your wrist, but, but I gave them a little dot to put on their, on their um, uh, watch. This was a, uh, a leader that had led me years ago. Okay, when you see the dot, it's supposed to remind you to do something. And I, I said, I want you to, Tell Jesus several times an hour that you love him. And every time you see that, every time you look at the time, just tell him, Lord, I want you to know I love him. I don't think we can wear that out. You know? 
Maybe that's part of what's going on here. I, maybe. Miss Sally, can I get you to read verse 18 and 19 to us? John 21, verse 18 and 19. Very truly I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and, and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. You know, a lot of times Jesus will begin to teach something. I put some references to it here in three uh, that John uses in three, three, four, and five, and eight, fifty-eight, in thirteen. There are a couple of places he'll start to teach something. He'll say, "Verily, verily," that's uh, King James English, or "Truly, truly." I say to you, it's interesting to me that that expression, um, uh, that expression is a, is a Greek term that uh, got carried over into English as guess what word? Amen. 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 So when you say when you say Amen, Amen, we you don't hear a whole lot of that in our in our sanctuary. I hear it some, but when you say that, what you're saying is truly, verily, truly, truly, uh, Amen. So the, he he begins here. This is a true thing he's getting ready to say, and he's going to contrast Peter's life when he was young and what his life is going to be like later. What did he say about what his life was like when he was younger? He did what you wanted to do. Uh, that is less true of me than it used to be. Uh, I was working in the yard yesterday, and I had to cut it a little short because my back just got hurting too much for me to do a whole lot more. But, uh, I see a lot of nodded heads. You, you get it. It's like, okay, if, if I keep doing this, I'm not going to be able to walk. Now, I never thought about that when I was 17. Harry, when I was work for, working for Bob Anderson, I never thought about that. I was always grabbing something heavier than I should grab, you know? Um, that's when Harry and I first knew each other when I was 17. So, isn't it interesting here um, that he's contrasting here um, this. Now, we get this idea not from the Bible, because Peter doesn't last until about the middle of the book of Acts. So he's off the scene by the middle of the book of Acts. And, and it's on, interesting. If you were to start with Acts 1 and read through, uh, through the end of the book of Acts, you, you would think by the middle, what happened to Peter? You know, Paul's kind of the main character by the end of it. What happened to Peter? Because Peter was the main character at the beginning, Peter and John. Well, so... Probably in something like A.D. 64, so do the math. He has crucified himself. Uh, in fact, history tells us that he didn't want to be crucified like Jesus was. He asked to be crucified upside down. Because I don't deserve the honor of being put to death the way the Lord did. So uh, Clement of Rome, an early Christian writer... Uh, he's writing in the 90s. Um, his letter is the oldest Christian writing in possession outside of the New Testament. And I read just an excerpt or two of it this week. It just states that Peter was martyred. It doesn't go into any detail. It just says he was martyred and uh, received glory 
through that. So uh, we think that was probably under uh, Emperor Nero's persecution in about AD 64. Um, isn't it interesting that a, an extra biblical source confirms what Jesus promised Peter was probably going to happen here? Now, what you and I need to understand is that this was intended for shame. Uh, nobody in the Roman world would have worn a cross around their neck. Maybe some of you ladies have one around your neck today. I, I just keep this one. There's a couple of reasons I keep this, but the cross was shameful. It was intended to shame you enough and your family enough that as people walked by and saw you, it would be um, prohibitive to do whatever that guy did to get him on a cross. And so what's beautiful about all this is that what was intended for shame, even in Peter's life, resulted in glory. Uh, I, I gave you some references there. The cross was meant to shame, uh, um, but he, Jesus, made it glorious. There are several references here where he talks about, I'm going to my glory. Uh, so much so that um, uh, you might, my favorite English poet in the 1700s, when I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died, my richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Sir Isaac Watts picked up on the thought of the beauty and the glory of the cross and puts it in words in English that, that inspire me. And so Jesus just says, one of these days, you're going to be led where you don't want to go and you're going to be led to your glory and so he says, follow me. Now, I want to fill in four blanks at the end just to think about this whole story. Okay? Simon wasn't unique in his need for redemption. I need redeeming too. So do you. So, in our story for today, Jesus made the first move. He made the first move for you too. Maybe... Maybe uh, memorizing Romans 5, 8 would be a good thing. While, I was still sin while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He showed his own love for us in that. Uh, he wasn't unique in his need for redemption. And second, he was commissioned. He was given a calling, a task. That's why I asked you a few minutes ago, Maybe it'd be a good thing to, as you're thinking about this particular passage of Scripture, maybe it'd be a good thing to say, okay, I, I think Jesus is calling me to be a shepherd in some way, to be a caregiver in some way. Who are my sheep? Who are my lambs that I need to care for and protect and guide, feed? But that commissioning came with a cost. In Peter's life, you know what it was. In fact, by the way, one of the reasons this uh, 21st chapter was tacked on is because John lived to be an old fella. And uh, there was some conversation, by the time this was written, there was some conversation about um, maybe John wasn't going to die. And uh, there, you, you kind of get, as you read the last few verses of this, it's kind of 
began to circulate that Jesus said, if I want him to live forever and I want you to go to your cross, that's my call, he says. So anyway, it came here with a cost. But what I want to hasten to say is that with suffering comes a promise. With suffering comes a promise. Whatever he calls you to do, with the cost comes a promise. Uh, and literally in Peter's life, and this could be true in your life too, you bring him glory and he'll promise you that he'll bring you into glory. Can I say that again? If you'll do what he's calling you to do, whatever your lambs, whatever your sheep are, uh, the care that he's calling you to do, the, the ministry, the mission that he's put in your hands, if you'll do that, you'll bring him glory. Matthew 5, 16. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who's in heaven. But when you do that, he promises you, and he will never uh, betray a promise. If you'll bring him glory, he will bring you into glory when the time comes. I don't know about you, but the older I get, the more I'm living for that. You know, Sherman? Well, I taught myself something during the meeting, Steve. Going back, I talked about how I was accounts are not always dependable. But you know, the point was, we all saw Somebody run into the classroom, you just saw it differently. <clears throat> Same thing, maybe what you talked about. Yeah. You know, they saw Jesus, but they saw it a little different. They all saw a little different aspect, and they reported on it, which is kind of beautiful if you compare the, the accounts. Yeah. What's he calling you to do? I promise you, he promises you, it'll be worth the cost, whatever it is. All right? Now, We'll see you next week. We'll be over talking about Abraham. I'm going to pick it up the next week, and we're going to finish this by looking at Acts. Have a great Sunday. Thanks for being with me.